0: This is
1: Diabolical!
2: comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films most dastardly schemes then try to improve them. I'm your host Gaz and this week's movie is 1999's audition from Japan's most successful filmic provocateur Takashi Miike. So peril pals, make yourself a list of 30 potential romantic partners, stock up on Cheesewire and for the four in attendance and the tens of billions listening at home. Let's get diabolical Walking
1: down
2: the street, yeah Walking down the street, yeah just smiling at the shoelaces, oh my darling. Walking down the street, yeah, walking down the street, yeah. Not I'm smiling at my baseball cap too. Walking down the street, yeah, walking down the street, yeah. Just smiling at my shoelaces, hey yeah. Walking, the street, yeah. walking down the street, yeah, walking down the street, yeah. Won't you join me in smiling at little things now? Hello and welcome to this week's pod, on which I am joined by the panel of peril who will compete at the show's close to see who can improve upon the villainous plan of the week the best, to earn points for our season 3 leaderboard in the show's competitive round. There's a high probability that we shall have some triumphant ups, and that's where the slide whistle would be. As well as some soul-crushing downs. Nice. But for now... If you would introduce yourselves and tell us what is the most extreme sight you have ever seen in real life or on film. Let's begin with Adam,
0: please. Oh, fuck. (laughs) I've not written anything. Let's
2: begin with (laughs) Ben, please. (laughs) Hi, Ben here.
1: The most extreme thing I've seen in real life was when I was younger, I would go dive in off cliffs. And uh, one of the lads was climbing up and he slipped backwards and his foot was caught in the rock. And as he fell, his shin bones snapped. Oh, that's a good one. Couldn't happen to a
0: nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty
2: brutal. And next, shall we have Craig? Sorry. Hang on. Hang on. Whoa, Uh-oh. whoa, whoa. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, you, you're looking oh, yeah. not weird at all today, countertacular. Next Thank we'll you. have... Counter-tacular.
3: Counter-tacular here, uh, aka as Craig. By the way, if you think it's weird that I keep saying aka as, you haven't seen Nathan Barley. Uh, I'm not an idiot. (laughs) Well, I am a bit. I think the most extreme thing that I've ever seen in film, and if I thought about it longer, I might change my mind, but the first thing that popped into my head was a film which was Clearly inspired by Audition, which is uh, hostile. The bit where he cuts off the gills burnt uh, yeah. ice stalk and all the pus comes out. Uh, <laughs> it went right through and me. And Adam.
0: Well, I recall the most extreme thing I ever saw was I once saw a man eat his own head. And from <laughs> then on in, I realised I had seen everything and I could live <laughs> the rest of my life in peace.
1: <laughs> What is that? <laughs> Team America, will Police. It's a callback to there episode yeah. six. Yeah. Have you ever seen a man eat his own head? Right. No. <laughs> then you haven't seen everything, have you? And neither have we.
0: Everyone now. <laughs>
2: and my own most extreme thing that I've seen is actually a, a videotape that Turner had, which we watched at Craig's house with loads of real deaths on it like a guy holding someone hostage and getting sniped in the head and like his hat shoots oh, off yeah. into the air and stuff like that. <laughs> oh Jesus. It's crazy. I'm glad I didn't watch that. That's fucking
1: nuts. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that one. Yeah, I can't remember, yeah. Once you've seen yeah. something like that, you can't unsee it.
2: <laughs> it's the hat flying up into the air. It's fucking crazy. You can write it. Yeah. yeah. Audition, directed by the incredibly prolific Takeshi Miike, was released in 1999 to reviews that called it truly shocking, as in variety, unbearably devastating, as in sight and sound, and one of the most iconoclastic horror films of recent years in The Hollywood Reporter. Now, I looked up iconoclastic in a dictionary, pushing boundaries, it said. So, yes, indeed, I can confirm that Audition is indeed iconoclastic. <laughs> the film tells the tale of a widower named Shigeru Aoyama, who has raised his son Shigehiko and started and nurtured his own film production company, but succumbed to the loneliness that can be inherent in big city living. Meeting the charming young Asami Yamazaki through very duplicitous means, the first two thirds of the film are light hearted but the final act takes a massive turn as the single dad gets a heck of a lot more than he bargained for as Asami reveals her true psychopathy and tortures him in sickening detail. I very much doubt that anyone has ever described Audition as fun, but it is a genuinely interesting, well-made and disturbing piece of filmmaking that has to be seen to be believed if you can stomach it. So, do we want to discuss the film or should we just go straight
3: to the plans? (laughs) (laughs) i think it would be a severe break in our format (laughs) if we just glossed over it
1: yeah and it wouldn't be fair to such a a good film
3: yeah and my immediate impression of it was i regretted watching it alone at midnight because by the time it finished i was looking in the other rooms and you know hiding under blankets and and such you know it it got me it is horrifying but I wouldn't say it's not fun, thinking back and looking back on it again, and I rewatched the trailer yesterday, and there are a lot of fun things in it you know that we'll probably get into later, just really clever horror ideas I say the first one that springs to mind is the first time that the sack moves when the phone rings <laughs> Amazing, <yeah. laughs> I would watch it again, I think it's uh, really clever, and the first time you watch it and you can never recapture this but the, the shock of the change in tone...
1: Yeah.
3: The trailer ruins it, by the way. The trailer shows you all the stuff after it. I never watched the trailer, luckily. Yeah, I watched it after the film, so oh, okay. it was good. But obviously, I knew it was a horror film going in. But even, even then, I think it's got a lot of rewatch value, and I think a lot of elements of it are quite fun. I think, in some ways, it, it's kind of meant to be funny. Or at least I, I felt parts of it were...
1: No, absolutely, yeah. It's purposely done that way. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it was... I, you know, like you say, guys, it's a film of two halves almost. Mm. Like everything at the top half is set up like a typical Japanese rom-com. That's exactly mm. if you watch a, a proper Japanese romantic comedy, you'll get it. The setup's almost exactly the same, even down to the music. Okay. And then, like you say, maybe it's even the midpoint twist where it starts to spiral, and then suddenly you're in this kind of like this twisted tale. I, I don't know if it's revenge is what she's after or, or, or what it is, but you're in this kind of twisted tale. And I loved how the director opted for realism in the way that it's shot and the the way, the sounds that you hear. Like when Aoyama-san is having the conversation with his friend in the bar, you hear the shake of the the cocktail shaker over their conversation. Mm. And it just makes you feel in the moment because, you know, that happens in real life. People aren't silent for your conversation, right? So you get all these other sounds and it it just made, made everything feel real. So when you get to that horror at the end, it was it was you bought everything it was uh, it was really well done i thought um i didn't care much for the gore but you know that's a personal thing but overall i thought it was a, a you know fascinating bit of storytelling and i probably would never have watched it if it wasn't for your recommendation, sir. Thank you.
2: Good, I'm glad you liked it. I I thought you would be the one who who definitely wouldn't like it, so that's a pleasant (laughs) surprise.
3: (laughs) I appreciated the gore. I I love a a well-done bit of gore in a film because, you know, you learn at a pretty young age that this is cinema, it's not real, and I I differentiate between them quite easily. It still shook me, don't get me wrong, but I was also appreciating the craft. I was looking at it going, "Oh, how have they done that? That's really good.
2: What of you, Mr. Turner? What of you?
0: I'll start with my last note that I made and um, I've just put, I'm so glad we didn't do this recording straight after watching because I can't even form a sentence. And that was my last <laughs> note. <on> it. So <laughs> it was for me, it did exactly what cinema should do. It should impress some sort of deep emotion. And, and it did and uh, not just at the end and with the, the final scenes, but throughout as well, it, I just felt that like, is it uh, Ioma or Iyama? Iyama. He was a bit of a. I didn't like him. I didn't take him as a as a nice character. I thought he's.
3: He's not a nice character, is he?
0: <laughs> at all, no. But he's he's quite plain, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's. Uh, yeah. I think his selection in Asami is. Oh, it's it's creeped me out, and I was mm. like, she's clearly like, I know she's she has this thing, and she's like, seems like quite innocent and that she's been maybe had some challenges in the past and he thinks oh I can maybe help her to uh change and to become the person she wants to be and things I can fix her yeah and stuff like that but at the same time she is she comes across as extremely vulnerable and that was mm-hmm. a bit you know when you start to feel you like an anxiety and a sort of nauseousness inside you and you think well yeah and I knew straight away that it wasn't going to be a good thing and then, obviously, with the, the final scenes and all that kind of stuff, it's um, yeah, it's very, very powerful.
3: Yeah, he obviously didn't ask for that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> No. He's a quote-unquote nice guy, isn't he? Comes yeah. across as very nice and well-mannered and everything, but Julie. Yeah. He, he's not a nice guy, really, is
0: he? Isn't no. I think if they remade that today, I think it it would definitely lose a lot of its integrity, and I think the gore in it is is kept to a, a respectful kind of level really if they remade that today with somebody else they'd be chucking packs of blood everywhere and digits would be flying off and teeth and god knows what mm. it would ruin it so i'm glad it was made when it was and it was done so i think obviously to shock but sort of with a modicum of sens- uh, sensitivity as well
3: that seems shocking i think because it breaks the mundanity and serenity of the rest mm. of the film. Mm. If there was more violence in it than that, it wouldn't have
0: the same impact. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, Exactly. That's all you would talk about. It's shot and staged very matter-of-factly as well, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Whereas the whole film is just this creeping sense of dread. Yeah. And then, obviously, you know what's going to happen. And then when it happens, it's, it's not a shock, but it's still shocking.
3: <laughs> I didn't know exactly that was going to happen. <laughs> no, I wasn't... Especially when she put the fucking... Acupuncture needles in his mm. eyes or yeah. under his eyes. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's for me that the most shocking thing during that final sequence is when she takes his first foot off and it's the shot yeah. through the plate glass window. They're just launching the foot and it just smacks slightly against the window and drops. It's like, ah oh, bloody hell. <laughs> but it's barely anything to her to just take mm. you guys' foot off with right. some um, cheese wire. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's interesting that you say about the the gore being surprisingly sort of dialed back and almost tasteful, which I agree with. But mm. um, Takashi Miike, in a lot of his other films, is proper full on crazy mm. amounts of gore, particularly in a film called Itchy the Killer. Um, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. The dude from that was in this uh, Jun Kunimura. He's the same guy who's the boss in Kill Bill, where uh, Anichi cuts his head off. Fucking, I love that guy.
2: Oh,
1: He's yeah, the guy in the yeah. bar who
3: tells him to do
2: the audition. Uh, okay,
1: yeah. Mm,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, as for my general opinion on the film, much the same as, as everybody else. It's um, it's by far Mike's best film for my money. He's a very uh, very hit and miss, sort of quite straight to video director on the whole, with a, with a couple of mm. exceptions. It's it the killers worth a watch, just for how extreme it is. Yeah, Glade of the Immortal is an excellent, supernatural samurai film. Uh, And uh, Happiness of the Cat curies is worth a watch because it is the craziest zombie musical you've ever seen. (laughs) So those are some recommendations.
3: He is one of those Japanese directors that's really broken through to the West, though. Mm. Like if you ask Westerners which Japanese directors, you know, they'll probably say Takashi Miyake and Pete Takashi. They're like the first two that they know. So I think he's done well for himself. Maybe just because he's so prolific. Apart from Kurosawa. Well, mm. maybe Kurosawa, but I think only film students probably. I'm talking about your sort of general audience.
1: Right. But yeah, he does have a following. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think this was one of the films that helped him get that actually.
2: I I would think so. I'm pretty sure this was his breakthrough in in the West. Yeah. Um I think he did well in Cannes, if I remember rightly.
1: Have they remade it?
2: That no, that they, they planned to. Mm. There was an actor attached, I'm sure.
1: How ironic was his foot still attached? <laughs>
0: oh, the tumbleweed.
3: <laughs> Speaking of films that have been remade, the main guy in this was the guy from The Grudge. Remember?
1: I don't was remember they? it that much. Rio
3: Ishibashi, I think he's called. Yeah, I can't remember. Because
2: it's, it's loads of like vignettes, basically, The Grudge, isn't it? I can't quite remember. Yeah. I only watched them recently, but I watched like six of them in a row, so I can't <laughs> quite remember any of the characters.
1: Yeah, you're right. He's in The How Grudge 1 and 2. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen the second one. The
2: second one's really good. Is the it? second one was the last one I watched for some reason.
3: And obviously Ring and, and its remake, which I also love.
2: They're not as good as The Ring,
3: is what I would say, but they are very good.
2: So similar, similar thoughts to to you guys. It's um, a really well made film, beautifully shot, great lighting throughout. Interesting sort of expressionistic lighting for the flashbacks mm. to Asami's strange ballet school abusive childhood. Yeah, that bit's quite over the top. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, yeah, it's a a real assault at the end on both. Shigiharu and the, the viewer, you just can't mm. quite believe what's what's happening is right. uh as she just tears strips off him. And yeah, the the guy in the sack as well, yeah. as pre- as Craig uh previously mentioned.
3: So he can't believe it so much so that he even has that fake awakening where he thinks it was all a dream. And then yeah. goes yeah. back into it, and you, you kind
1: of
2: you wish it was.
1: You
3: go, oh yeah, I, I right. really hope this is right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: that that's quite audacious, isn't it? Because it's yeah, it's literally it's a split second where he's been drugged with the whiskey, and then it just flashes right. back to him falling over. You're like Jesus Christ, it was all just in that
3: <laughs> split second. Right. Yeah, kind of similar to what I said about girl with the dragon tattoo. That moment is like a trick to say to the audience, we're pulling you out of this horrible situation now. It's all fine. But then it's like, actually, no, you can go back in there. <laughs> I think that's a really good, I uh, don't want to call it a trick, but it is kind of a trick, right? <laughs> but, yeah,
0: yeah, a bit of manipulation.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think it works really well. Mm. Interesting what you said about the score being like rom-com, because I thought uh, it was really quite a beautiful, haunting score. Very, very nice music in it. I love it.
1: Yeah, I'm talking kind of early on, especially yeah. the, yeah. the jaunty music in the, in the audition sequence. Yeah. Uh that that was just pure rom-com. It was a mon- it was montage. They had, you know, the women coming in and out. It was exactly how you'd see it.
3: Are we going into uh sequences and lines and stuff cuz there's a line in that, the audition sequence that I think is really funny personally and I think you'll appreciate it as well. Go on. His main question that he has to ask her is have you ever seen any Tarkovsky movies?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: That's what he wants to know. That's the big question. Are you a fan of (laughs) Russian cinema?
1: (laughs) You noticed they went through the list of of names. Mm. Did you notice they were putting tick marks next to them? Yeah. Mm. Did that confuse you at all?
3: Yeah, I suppose now you said it, we use ticks as a yes, right?
1: Yeah, but they use it as a cross here and yeah. a, a circle as a as a what we'd use a tick for. All oh, right. Yeah. I didn't even clock that.
0: Okay. I just thought it was just ticking off who they'd seen. They were just going, uh, yeah, seen her, seen her, no, seen th- her. That
1: means they were crossing them off basically, saying, Nope, right. no good, no good, no good, oh. no good. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. when I first came in and I was teaching, I'd check kids' work and they, they thought they were getting it wrong. I was like, no, it's it's right. <laughs> <laughs> Someone would have warned you about that. Yeah, crying <laughs> <laughs>
2: what did um i'm almost annoyed with myself that i'd said it was a horror film beforehand so this might be difficult mm. to answer but in terms of the pacing did you like how it it kind of teased teased out that it was quite conventional before before the tinge? I think yeah, it was beautifully like, nicely yeah. timed with where it began to darken
3: yeah absolutely it all felt like you say like a really light rom-com to begin with. And even though I kind of knew it was a horror, I didn't know what that would mean. Uh, I kind of always said that I don't care massively about spoilers because to say a cheesy thing about the experience of watching a film, is kind of all about the journey as well. So quite often I'll watch a film that's based on a book and I know more or less everything that's going to happen in it, but that doesn't diminish my enjoyment of the film because... It still has to take you on that journey and and it has to do it in the way that the director wanted to do it. So I wasn't sitting there waiting for the other shoe to drop thinking, when is this going to be a horror? I was just enjoying watching it unfold and the way that it progressed through things like him going to that place where the other person had been murdered. Was it a bar? Like a secret underground bar or something? Yeah, it was
1: just just a bar, yeah. Yeah, Mm. it
3: looked looked weird, didn't it? Because it was like in a sort of building.
1: You have these everywhere. You have basement bars, second floor, right. third floor, fourth floor. You see them all, all over the place.
2: Is that the place where you find out about the guy who had, they found several fingers in a tongue? A tongue, on, yeah.
1: Yes. Is that that yeah. murder?
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest one for me is just her sitting still as the phone rings, just yeah, with her head back. Slumped bowed. over. For four days.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. It's such an o- otherworldly position that she's in as yeah. well. It's, yeah. Right.
2: Monstrous, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. you can see sort of her spine sticking out yeah. because she's craned so yeah. far over. Genuinely chilling.
1: And then, when she, she answers the phone and pretends that she, you know, she hadn't been waiting next to it. Yeah. Mm.
2: And then, when when you find out that the person in the sack is the the person whose fingers and tongue were found at right. the scene earlier in the film, and she feeds him by puking into a dog bowl and giving yeah, it to him. So awful. <laughs> it's yeah. just like. Oh my lord. <laughs> yeah. That is
1: something else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: He loves it though, doesn't he? he bloody, bloody loves, loves it. Charles it. it down. <laughs> yeah. out his
1: stump of a tongue. <laughs> Here's a question though. Did Aoyama-san really see that? Or I wasn't clear yeah, on whether that was a flashback either. or whether yes. it
2: was.
0: Yeah, it's kinda of weird, isn't uh, it? It's hallucination uh, like... or what's going on yeah. No, that's true.
2: I hadn't even considered that.
0: It kinda
3: of doesn't matter, does it? No. Hmm. Interesting either way. Yeah. That sack thing's amazing though. It's like something out of Resident Evil or Silent Hill or something. It's pretty yeah,
0: I was like, I was like, because yeah. that—that's the bit where because I knew it was going to be a horror film, and I thought, what's going to be in that sack? Right. A fucking rancor or a dinosaur <laughs> yeah. or fucking yeah,
3: some kind of black oil beast.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking, is she just gonna it's is she gonna unleash what's in there? Some sort mm. of Japanese demon or something of the underworld yeah. or something. And then it turns out it's that, and it's like, fucking it keeps you guessing, doesn't it? It's really good. Yeah. Mm. Really good.
2: It's good. It's, it's a check off sack, isn't it? You're just like, yeah. When's that fucking sack going to come into play? Sack. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's what he used to
1: say to his girlfriends I'll check off because he gone the check-off sack.
3: i was kind of surprised actually as well like like you say turner i was I almost wondered if it was going to have supernatural elements and then when it didn't mm-hmm. i was like oh, okay because you know obviously there's a lot of japanese folklore around monsters mm. demons ghosts could have yeah. been anything like that yeah and in a way because i didn't know what was coming i felt like i got that experience out of it as well if you mm-hmm. get what i mean like uh yeah, yeah. Just yeah. the anticipation of it being supernatural was yeah. enough. So great, loved
1: it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Good. I'm pleasantly surprised that everybody loved it.
0: My favourite sequence are just—is that what we're doing now? We are going through favourite. I think aren't we? we've kind of yeah, building um, into, over that, into that, haven't it,
2: haven't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> well, my favourite bit is—I don't know whether it's done on purpose or not—but it's when um, he goes to meet her old ballet teacher in that in that ramshackle. Mm. Uh, Studio, and he sat there for ages. And, you, and again, it's like one of those things you know, is he dead? Is he going to turn around? His eyes are going to mm. be missing, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like that tension again, it ratchets it up. And then he turns around, and he's like just a geezer, isn't he?
2: Well, he's, mm. got, he's got dead feet.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's coming across the um, floor and the wheelchair, and it sounds like it's violins. You know, when they they're like that mad violin we're playing some horror films, it's mm. the rubber on the floor it makes that noise. And I was like, that sounds like it's like, you know, like it's like an ominous uh, motif sort of thing. And I was like, oh, I really, I really like that. I don't know whether that was purely by mistake or whether he went, yeah, we'll we'll fucking keep that in because it sounds creepy. But
1: yeah, Mm. I loved it. Yeah, they were prosthetic feet, weren't they? Yeah, they're freaky
0: as fuck, aren't they? Yeah, horrible.
1: Favourite sequence, Ben? I think we've covered them. Yeah? (laughs) For me, it was probably... (laughs) It was. It was probably when she's waiting by the phone, and then you see that sack move. That was. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I like the lightness of the uh, of the audition sequence. That was fun. Yeah. And because I did know it was a horror, I was wait. I I thought this this is like too good to be true. There's <laughs> when's the turn coming? And so, like Craig says, it was the anticipation. He's like you know something's coming, but when? So that made it quite fun. Yeah. Hmm. The reaction of um I forget the guy's name now um the friend Aoyama-san's friend Yasuhisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he a, yeah. When, you know, Aoyama-san has been waiting to talk to Asami the whole time, you know, because he'd read her letter before and he was just like waiting for her. And so, yeah, as Craig says, he starts going really deeply into these questions. <laughs> and he, he'd been asking all the other ones very light kind of random questions, but he, asked, and he starts talking to her about the ballet injury and saying, mm. you know, giving this really heartfelt opinion. And it's the friend yeah. just like side-eyeing him, which made me laugh. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's just going, what? Yeah. <laughs> Kara Takali, do you have any favorite sequences to add?
3: Yeah, uh, as I said quite early on, mine, again, was the the one where she's waiting by the phone. But I've singled out a few other just bits of style that I really liked. One of the earliest ones being when uh, Shigahara is reading Asami's application and they cut to the wife in the hospital bed. Hmm. In the audition sequence, the way the shutters come down is like really ominous. It just kind of sets the mood. Mm. The sex scene, the movements are very reminiscent of the sack. I felt I think that was maybe on purpose. Okay, quite creepy.
2: People clocking lots of stuff that I've missed here.
3: <laughs> and uh, it has one of those day-night transitions that Edgar Wright loves. You know, where yeah, quick, yeah, 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 really cool. Apart from that, I just the the feeling that I took away from it there's a film that reminded me of structurally, which was uh a History of Violence. Okay. Yeah, I could see that.
0: Mm, it's been a while since I've seen that, so yeah.
3: yeah. Uh and then my only other note on the film is the end credits music is mental. <laughs> so we- so weird after all that. I think I just turned it straight off.
0: I, I didn't even watch the end credits <laughs> music because uh, I just I turned it off straight away and then I was just like <laughs> Hyperventilating for about for two minutes. <laughs>
3: You've got to see it. It's a, it's a masterclass of juxtaposition. you got to go back and watch the end credits. Okay.
1: So what did you lot think of the speech that Sammy gives after she's fallen down the stairs, or she's been kicked down the stairs, rather? Yeah. She repeats what she says the, during the, their first date.
3: Yeah. It's creepy as fuck, isn't it? It's like
2: robotic, isn't it's it? It's creepy.
1: So what I was wondering was, is that something rehearsed? Is it something yeah, like... You know, a little bit like the Joker when he gives that different story each time of his his origin. Mm, yeah, in in Dark Knight,
3: it ties into the whole whole audition theme, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just like a, like a prepared piece that she would do for a read through for any audition. Exactly. Um mm. But her audition isn't for the film. She doesn't care about that. It's for every time she wants a new man to kill.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like a, a default setting, isn't
0: it? I wasn't sure. Is it showing like despite that she's this sort of sadistic? crazed witch that she's actually still there's an innocence beneath her and then, then mm. in the end that's what comes out sort of thing she's just sort of obviously at her weakest and stuff so I guess she's trying to foster those kind of feelings I guess but at yeah. the same time I couldn't help but feel a bit sorry for her a little bit yeah. as well and I thought oh, maybe yeah. that's that's why she said that because maybe it was her better nature but you know what Got the better of her was the the abuse essentially, and that's what turned her.
2: There's a sense of regression about it, isn't it? That, that she's yeah. she's quite childlike mm-hmm. at the end there, even though yeah. she's yeah. presumably her, her neck's broken and she can't move. Right? Yeah, even though she is she is monstrous. She, you understand and mm-hmm. empathise with why she is yeah. the way she is, and I think um, Shigaru does as well in, in a way because they're both just sort of it's their their heads essentially just poking through the doorway towards each other, isn't it? Uh, I'm sure there's Mm -hmm. a deeper meaning there, Mm. their bodies not being in frame.
1: Probably something to do with Feng Shui, energy blasting the head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That'll be it.
3: (laughs) I think that's a really good interpretation and and I love that it's ambiguous. Mm.
1: Yeah.
2: My favourite sequence in the film is very specifically the acupuncture sequence of the final Mm. Torture sequence. Um, it's the the little kitty 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 kitty
1: kitty, and
2: what does that actually mean, Ben? What's it translate? So that's
1: my favourite line, actually, just by coincidence, and it's because she does it <laughs> so cute. It's a Japanese onomatopoeia, and it means to like, okay. it just means the sound of working something into something, like almost like boring in or drilling in. kitty 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 kitty. Yeah.
2: So it's presumably to do it in real life, it would be to soothe someone.
3: I don't think so.
1: I don't know. Possibly. Japanese onomatopoeia yeah. is used so frequently here. Mm. Like um, now I'm on the spot, I will be able to think of one. But um, <laughs> like the sound of rain is zaza. or it's just it just uh-huh. it's just used in normal conversation mm. um, yeah. quite a lot. And I spent you know often when you're talking to kids, so that, you know you, they say there's a kind of immaturity about Asami. Perhaps that's part of that coming through mm. something you might you might say if you're playing with a kid and like you're playing in the sand and you you kind of you i don't know say you've got like a you know a, a flag to mm. put in a sandcastle you could you might you might mention
3: one like, in uh pilgrim don't they for pac-man
1: paku 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 yeah that's one uh, yeah, paku, yeah, paku. yeah yeah huh. <laughs> yeah
2: huh. yes that's that's interesting it's, it's just it's quite disarming
1: yeah because it's a really cutesy mm. kawaii sound yeah yeah
2: Mm. and she's she's already very much emphasised that he uh, Shigeru is completely incapacitated but his nerve endings um, yes. are able to feel everything does she say they're heightened his, mm. his nerve endings or is it just that they're normal Can't quite I recall. think they're just
3: normal but it be excruciating anyway wouldn't it and the way he writhes, his mm. performance in that is uh, is brilliant Like you feel yeah. every bit of it
1: yeah because I think I, cause I watched in Japanese without subtitles and she just says the way, the way she says, you won't be able to move, but you'll be able to feel it, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, really, really matter of fact.
3: Yeah. No, they got that mm-hmm. spot on in the uh, subtitles, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey!
2: In Audition, Asami Yamazaki takes part in a film audition, which has also secretly been set up to double as an interview for a prospective new wife for widower Shigeru Aoyama. Unbeknownst to the lonely widower, Asami has the unusual habit of torturing male victims with acupuncture and the forceful removal of various appendages. She also enjoys keeping her victims alive by tying them in a big sack and feeding them on some sort of gross-looking vomit soup before presumably killing them. Asami's unending vengeance for an abusive childhood is shocking and brutal. Shigeharu probably should have listened to his friend Yasuhisa, who warned him that he was unable to conduct a thorough background check on Asami. Everywhere he looked was a dead end, and now Shigeharu and his son Shigehiko might end up dead. So what did we all think of
3: the scheme? It's very diabolical, I think. It's batshit. Obviously, he... uh... (laughs) (laughs) it's guano he kind of invites her in but uh she's almost like the film itself right she lulls him into this false sense of security she presents him with an idealized version of a stereotypical idealized quiet little housewife that he can
1: very subservient have
3: have his yeah very subservient have his way with we didn't really go into it in detail but i wanted to ask you about the manic pixie dream girl trope when we did Scott pilgrim and just the concept that they have no inner life. And the fact that he initially invites her to this audition for a film that doesn't exist is almost the perfect metaphor for a man thinking, oh yeah, I'll I'll invite her for this audition, but she she doesn't need a life. She'll just become my wife and then she'll forget all about this stupid ambition of hers. So yeah, I think that uh, the way that she brings men in is quite clever. And, you know, she's been getting away with it, clearly, for a while. So, yeah, I think she's doing quite well myself. Ben?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. It doesn't explicitly tell us how, how many times she has done that, but you assume no. it's mm. it's a few. Mm. Like you say, she's she's very clever, the way she lures men in, and she's able to play the part of this, like I say, subservient uh, female. And uh, for her very sneaky acting talents, I will give her... Ten, florets of broccoli. Ooh. Perfect ten. Mm.
2: That's good. Diddley. It's perfect eleven, but quite Diddley. perfect
3: nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> Are we singing "Beautiful South" now? That's what we, we should <laughs> sing at the end. She's a perfect ten.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and what did you think of Asami's scheme, Adam?
0: Well, the only thing that lets her down is she uh, either doesn't know about or just thinks that he's not going to show up for the kid. It's like leaving the mm. back door open, isn't it? Essentially, so, yeah. So, I think it's probably, like I say, if she's done it a couple of times before, maybe she's a bit overconfident and enjoying it too much to, to think about the consequences of getting caught.
3: She was close to getting the better of him as well, wasn't she? You know, she uh, yeah, she hid so well when he came in. She's
2: just yeah. not very good with that uh, nebulizer, trying to knock him out.
0: No. She, I don't think she was <laughs> expecting him to be quite as... Uh, he was, like, very lithe and sweeping under things. and
1: Yeah, yeah I um, forget, did Aoyama-san tell her about his son?
2: I don't know whether he does on screen,
1: but he must have, surely. <laughs> yeah.
3: It'd be pretty mad if
1: he didn't. Because he doesn't talk about the ex-wife, right? Or the, the, his wife. No, does he? but
3: she sees a picture of her, doesn't when she? He go-
1: when she goes in the house, yeah. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah, I'd echo much the same as, as you three guys. She's clearly been getting away with it for some time, and, and like we said earlier, her final... Uh, monologue going back to her her audition playing her role would indicate that it's something that she's done quite a few times to have it committed perfectly to memory and it mm. is just sort of her bad luck that Shigehiko <laughs> arrives home and, and foils her plan and even then it's kind of accidental that he gets her really isn't it at the top of the stairs oh, yeah. just mm. sort of wildly lunges out and manages to push her down the stairs to to finish her off so yeah, on the whole, I'd say a very good plan spoiled by chance. Blind simple dude our chance. Just before we move on to the competition style round, we would like to thank you very much for listening to the show so far. But please do remember Oh you're welcome. But please remember I'd if you the... like <laughs> If you like what you hear each week, please subscribe, leave us a five star review and follow us on Apple Podcasts if you're on there. It really is the best platform to help us grow the podcast and all of you Peril Pals play an important part in that process. We haven't had any reviews on Apple for quite some time, so please do us this solid. It really does make us more visible on there. If you aren't on Apple, rate us on your provider of choice and follow us on socials at (laughs) DiabolicalPod. This is the part of the show where the Panel of Peril compete for precious peril points on the Perilous Leaderboard. Each member gets one vote, which will equal one point on the board, but you cannot vote for yourselves, you little roasted oysters. How can we possibly improve upon Asami's scheme to relive her childhood trauma as a form of therapy is my question. Let's do this!
1: That wasn't so bad, was it? Bitch. Yeah. I, it was I, turned, I turned you down <laughs> oh, just was. as you did it. <laughs> it was worse than a Sammy sticking frickin' needles <laughs> in a guy's eyes. <laughs>
0: I reckon we've all got the same plan, by the way. Oh, yeah? Okay. I reckon. Interesting. No chance. All <laughs> right. I'd be surprised.
2: First up, can we hear Adam's
1: plan, please?
0: <sighs> oh, good lord. The
1: only had written one. Oh. Here well, comes his coffee-fueled nonsense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As we all know, coffee and dogs are a man's best friend, and hence why I have written this plot.
1: Yeah, I told you we were on well the same plan.
0: <laughs> what do most people who have been terribly wrong to do with their lives, when they've got this overwhelming burden of emotion, of negative emotions? Well, they become artists you take your pick of which artist you want some people do it all so Asami finds an outlet in being an artist first of all she begins to pen her emotions into haiku maybe we have all got the same plan then use my pain for good will not let others suffer no one else again just one acupuncture time no, not behind the eyes mate just on pressure points Causing others pain It's not cool Stay in school Word Stop, look and listen (laughs) But that's not enough
3: No, you need a seasonal reference as well
0: Yeah, oh (laughs) I'm a a published haiku author, I'll have you know (laughs) (laughs) I was published in the Oscar Brunellian Book of Haikus So, uh, you know, eat my dust Me too, me too yeah
3: (laughs) Yeah. Don't think I would. <laughs> yeah. No, you no, would I, I still remember my haiku <laughs> yeah. as well. I don't remember mine, but I remember gals having one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no idea. Right. Uh I've as we digress a little bit, um however, <laughs> haiku's do not fulfil Asami completely. So she decides she will give performance art a bit of a whirl. Asami performs a piece for a number of hours. On stage, inside a large cylinder with holes placed through it. Rather like a giant human (laughs) kaplunk. Where, instead of removing large cocktail sticks, she welcomes audience members to put long pointy bamboo sticks through her costume, where the holes have been strategically placed so that it avoids piercing her. As the sticks are put through to the other side, Asami lets out a cheer. Thank you for not hurting me, and as a reward, I grant you this egg of wisdom.
3: I thought there was no way we were going to have the same plan. I don't know, have you, have you
0: seen mine? Egg of wisdom. Somehow. <laughs> a plastic egg then drops to the floor underneath a sami, which the audience member collects, and inside the egg is a small piece of good advice and quips of wisdom, such as the following. Don't use tomatoes in a fruit salad. The older you get, the better you get. Unless you're a banana. (laughs) Never put off tomorrow. What you can do the day after tomorrow just as well. The only thing that ever sat on its way to success was a hen. And you're not crazy. You've just been in a very bad mood for a long time. (laughs) However, this still doesn't completely sate Asami. Lastly... As she continues her voyage through all things art, she discovers the 1970 album Plastic Ono Band. But not by John Lennon. This version is the version by his wife and preeminent Japanese artist Yoko Ono. At the time, John and Yoko were going through primal scream therapy created by Arthur Yanoff, who argued that neurosis is developed by the repression of childhood trauma, and the therapy is used to re-experience childhood pain. Asami hears Yoko's plastic ono band and is enraptured. Sure, there are detractors from Yanov's life work, but could this be the form of psychotherapy that's beneficial to her in a word? Yes, but why use a word when a song is proof complete? Finn. That's all my own composition, by the way.
1: Oh, is that you screaming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Would you say that your scheme is more sort of trial and error than anything else? She's just trying lots of different things before she finds yeah. her screaming therapy musical number.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think it's all cumulative, though. I don't think she would have found the screaming therapy without first doing like the performance art and the basic I think anybody can go through therapy is putting your thoughts down on paper or on a note or something like that isn't it Mm -hmm. usually writing something down is the first stages of trying to make sense of something I've got a question
3: it's really more of a comment
0: okay which
3: is (laughs) your wisdom egg fortune cookie style messages reminded me of Sunscreen by Basil
0: Ehrman, and I'd like to hear a lot more of them. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I've got a few extra. Do you want to hear the others? Yeah, okay. Uh, Behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. (laughs) People who think they know everything are a great annoyance to those of us who do. (laughs) Uh, There is no such thing as fun for the whole family. I like work. It fascinates me. I can sit and look at it for hours. I thought that was particularly (laughs) pertinent for me and Gaz. (laughs) Being older university students.
3: It's also starting to remind me a little bit of the comic strip Garfield by Jim Davis.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, I suppose, yeah.
3: Similar sort of (laughs) humour.
0: Yeah. I was going to do more haikus, but I only did the three, but it's Haikus are fun, aren't
2: they? So mm. fun for the whole family.
0: Yeah. Doesn't exist, Gaz. Gaz, as our
1: resident psychologist, where yeah. do you stand on the uh, on the effect of scream therapy?
2: Uh I think it's new age nonsense. Mm. Uh, a <laughs> damning report, A uh, very damning report. <laughs> but I I haven't looked at it in any great detail, but just when yeah. you when you say something like that, it's like eh. <laughs> Might make you feel better in the moment, but <laughs> mm.
0: long-term effects. Yeah, it was very of its time.
3: If you had to weigh up a sense of the therapeutic merits of primal scream therapy versus the therapeutic merits of cutting off a guy's feet, which one do you reckon is more therapeutic?
2: That stay with you, on it cutting a guy's foot off. You're not going
1: to
0: forget that in a hurry. You remember that, yeah. Smiling about yeah. that on your on your <laughs> deathbed on the floor. <laughs> do you know? Do you know who else uh, was a proponent of um, primal scream? Therapy at the time. Uh, Wilhelm. Um,
3: who's in? Who's in the
0: band? Primal Scream. So, Timothy Leary. No, no. Uh, James Earl Jones. Ah, okay. Because okay. yeah. he like going no. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. You really have to dig deep to get that performance. <laughs>
2: okay. So next, shall we have Ben, please?
1: All poor little Sammy wants is for someone to love her completely forsaking all else. Is that too much to ask? Well, yes, it is a bit needy. Even so, she feels betrayed and must alleviate her pain by sticking needles in people and chopping them into very literal bits. But surely there's another way. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is. This time, when she enters Aoyama-san's house, instead of killing the poor beagle, she looks into its big, doughy woey, cutie-wootie, lickle lickle <laughs> moisty-woisty eyes and sees love, pure and uncompromising. She remembers a TV show, one of those variety ones where people watch each other eat and pull mildly amusing faces. <laughs> Recalling them talking about the therapeutic value of animals, she leaves the house and beelines to the nearest pet store. She walks up and down the aisles wondering what kind of animal would suit her best. The dogs are super kawaii but perhaps too much responsibility for a first-time pet owner. The clerk suggests a hamster. It's an ideal starter pet, she says. Asami decides to buy one as it reminds her of a furry wiggling tongue. <laughs> she names it Bero. Back at her apartment, Asami couldn't be happier. Life with Bero is sweet and she hasn't wanted to lop off anybody's body parts for ages. <laughs> but one day, she lets Bero out for some exercise. She puts him in his ball thingy and lets him go. She slumps on the ground for a bit, and when she comes to, she sees her pet hamster repeatedly bumping into Sack Guy. Mistaking Barrow's lack of control for betrayal, she squeezes him until his little black eyes pop out. <laughs> then she uses dental floss to detach his little hamstery feet. <laughs> Never mind her, Sammy. We all make mistakes. <laughs> Undeterred, she heads back to the pet store. Feeling more confident and no longer a first-time pet owner, she buys that dog she's been longing for, a toy poodle, and she names him Ashy due to his striking resemblance to a hairy severed foot. <laughs> Sadly, Ashy is badly mutilated after sniffing the nether regions of a flirtatious chihuahua while out on walkies one day. As Sammy is despondent. She even considers going back to her old ways and just carving people up again. But in a show of remarkable self-restraint, she decides to give pet ownership one last try. At the store, she wanders the aisles, wondering which of the adorable living creatures for sale she should choose this time. They all look so fragile, she thinks. Maybe I should just give up. Then she notices a blue room filled with fish tanks tucked away in the far corner of the shop. She goes in and immediately feels calm. The bubbling water, the cool colour tones. Yes, this is just a ticket. She stares at the brightly coloured fish. They have a certain kind of beauty, she thinks, but do they have the capacity to love? Probably not. Suddenly something catches her eye. Squeezed tightly beneath a rock formation is an octopus. She calls over the clerk. Does this creature have the capacity to love? she asks. Er sorry, what do you want to know? She repeats her question. Uh I don't really it has three hearts. Asami smiles and purchases the octopus on the spot. She names it Kirihanasu because it's resemblance to a severed head and takes it back to her modest home. Life with Kirihanasu is magical. He has no feet to speak of, so Asami doesn't feel triggered, and he can't betray her with others because he lives alone in a fish tank. But best of all, when she gets the urge, she can squeeze him as tightly as she likes, (laughs) and he never ever breaks because he has no bones. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Could you not pop him like a balloon Full of ink
1: I think that's impossible
2: Yeah they, they can mm. squeeze through tiny gaps mm. like Ridiculous pie, gaps Yeah, they?
3: yeah mm. and old boy has a really Hard time eating one doesn't he, oh, oh, he Can't just God, bite God, through it can scandalous.
2: you right. I hate that scene <laughs> 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 They can also uh, Predict
3: world cup results Of course
2: yes. yeah. yep. So that's yeah. an added bonus for
1: a sammy What mm. does Barrow mean the hamster's name Bero means
3: tongue. I, I assumed that it did. Ashi means foot. I thought Ashi meant leg.
1: And Kirihanasu means decapitated or decapitate.
3: Yeah, she's uh, she's got a real sense of uh, detachment, hasn't she?
1: <laughs> Ooh, he's done it now. He's bloody done it now. He's put the <laughs> bloody cat among the pigeons. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's foolproof, isn't it? Checks out to me. Emotional support animal. An octopus. And then a kind of unkillable octopus. Mm. Yeah. Mm, mm.
3: Mm. I mean, there are ways you could kill one, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Should we sit and have a brainstorm? Just hit it with a hammer loads of times. <laughs> it. Burn it. <laughs> leave it out of the fish tank.
2: <laughs> Kick it into a big pile of mud. Squeeze uh,
0: yeah. a, a Jif lemon into the fish tank. Uh, put it back in. What
2: else could you do? Pour cooking oil on it. You don't need to cook it. You could
0: guillotine
1: it if you do it real quick. Oh, uh, nasty. <laughs> did you say Jif uh, lemon or Sif lemon? Jif. Either would work, I suppose. He's going old school.
3: Yeah, actually, the reason it's called Sif, it used to be called Jif, the cleaning product, is that. So in America, the cleaning product is is Jif, but over in the UK, Jif lemon is also a pancake condiment, which is like lemon juice. And you yeah, don't that's want it. To get those mixed up.
1: Yeah, no, you don't.
3: So there you go, international audience. Don't say we never give you nothing.
0: <laughs> but if you're not a moron, you'd ask, wouldn't you? Why are you putting bleach on my pancakes? Why do you want to clean the toilet with lemon juice? And I go, not that fucking jiffy, a moron.
2: If uh, Doctor Terrible's House of Horrible taught us anything, it's that you can uh, clean your blood with lemon juice as well. You just <laughs> pipe it through a <laughs> thing of lemon <laughs> juice to <laughs> to clear you of all diseases.
3: <laughs> hey, Don, what flavour washing up liquid have you bought? Original. <laughs> Everyone knows you need lemon to shift dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Any
2: further questions for Ben's nope. plan? No, nope. I'm, I'm good. In that case, we should move on to Count Tacular's plan.
3: To cope with the untreated effects of post-traumatic stress brought on by childhood abuse, Asami Yamazaki must have an outlet for her violent desires. In 1999, she saw an ad for an audition. However, by this time, she had little interest in fame. That night, she killed several rats and drowned a wealthy young woman with large breasts. She recalled the woman's breasts later as she touched her own. The following day, she electrocuted a plumber who was trying to kill a mouse and threw a fox off a high-rise building. Later she imagined the tickle of the plumber's facial hair as she pleasured herself. (laughs) Some years later, she took a baseball bat to a living sack and proceeded to beat it harder each time. Later, she used a Hitachi magic wand to beat herself harder and harder. Sometime in 2002, she picked up a prostitute in her car and drove her out to a secluded spot. Once the car was done a-rocking and the woman stepped out, Asami ran her down and stole her money. That night she imagined what it would feel like to pay a woman for sex. But she wasn't really in the mood to fantasise. The memory was somewhat disappointing. She and the woman had just sat there as the car rocked, staring ahead through the windscreen. Yes, Grand Theft Auto 3 was, nonetheless, lots of fun. (laughs) Asami felt good. Video games and masturbation had been a great outlet for her. She'd felt no stress playing Smash Brothers or Tomb Raider, and only mild stress in 2011 playing Dark Souls. <laughs> One day in 2020, after taking a piss on her ballet instructor's unmarked grave, she went home and played Ghost of Tsushima for several hours, smiling the whole time. That night, she wrote a haiku. Holding the joystick, I dance away from his touch. The action button. <laughs> You know, you like me to boil these down for you. So her therapy is uh, playing violent video games and masturbating. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Wow. Which is, the, that's the reason I don't go around killing men. It's the only reason. I've written uh, <laughs>
2: video games and wanking.
0: That's very succinct, that,
1: yeah. I've just got two comments, if you if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, one, uh, no stress from playing Tomb Raider. Mm. That's bullshit.
3: Well, because the, the, the only reason she plays Tomb Raider is the same reason that, Simon Pegg plays Team Reader, which is specifically to drown Lara Croft. Right, okay, so there's fine. no in it for her because she's not trying right. to win.
1: All right, fair point. And the other one, I'd just like a little bit more detail on those large breasts, please. Well, they're,
3: they're quite angular, kind of blocky. What
0: kind of a- areola do they have?
3: They don't have any... <laughs> we we'll stick some pictures in the show notes. <laughs> no no aerials, no no nipples, just a kind of a dodecahedron.
0: <laughs> you said um, she didn't have any stress playing Super Smash Brothers? No. So she obviously hadn't played Super Smash Brothers with you? No. <laughs> <laughs> she hadn't met a master.
3: <laughs> but uh, yeah, if, if I go back through through my plan, I did describe Smash Brothers quite well. She electrocuted a plumber who was trying to kill a mouse. So she mm-hmm. was she was playing as Pikachu and killing Mario there, mm-hmm. and she threw a fox off a high-rise building, which you can do in in Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Ah. Knock yourself out.
1: How how and, do you uh, feel when you when you play Smash Bros., Craig? You Zen like? Yeah, the
3: only reason, as I say, that I haven't been a more prolific killer is due to uh, getting out all of my violent desires by playing games <laughs> like that. You know, beating beating mascots to death. And throwing them off, off platforms. <laughs> uh, taking a baseball back to a living sack. Uh, you might recall you can do that in uh, Smash Bros. Melee on the GameCube where you just
1: twat the oh, sack. yeah. And it yeah. goes off. Yeah. But I also remember uh, you flipping the fuck out when you lost.
3: I don't remember losing. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember
3: frequently... Kicking all your asses. Which,
0: uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was. You, you used to get quite cheesed off when I used to play as Pikachu and do the Pika and get the lightning. You, you fucking stop doing that. <laughs> 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 it's not
3: because not of the game element of it, it's just having to hear the noise over and over again. I <laughs> Biga bigger, bigger. Uh, <laughs> <Bigger chair. laughs>
1: Probably like growl points. Would you have been playing Mario Golf by any chance? You can't kill anyone in Mario Golf. Yeah, but you so. can annoy people by saying down whiff Don't ah. do And kiss my crack
3: always oh, really. Just
1: like practice.
3: But it really sounded like kiss my crack. It
1: did. <laughs> All right. You gotta bring us home, oh host, with the most.
2: Asami was traumatized during her childhood. She strafes the curvature of the cycle of violence, and as a result there can be no breakthrough, no closure, no solace. Though the simple everyday act of slicing off a fellow's foot with some cheese wire may bring her joy in the moment, it is ultimately meaningless. She sits slumped in the hallway of whoever's home she has recently mutilated in existential agony. How many appendages will it take for me to overcome my own PTSD, she thinks. I believe that I have a solution. Art therapy. Unusual. Nobody's nobody's had that so far. Interesting that I should uh, come up with that. Art therapy is particularly helpful to people who have taken on trauma from childhood or adulthood as it allows them to create something that expresses the deepest depths of their psyche and can also help reconnect participants' bodies to a specific physical sensation and help disassociate from physical trauma. Knowing that last fact, I would recommend Asami take up the art of ice sculpting. Do you know the tools that are required to be a successful ice sculptor? Chainsaw, pick, small knife set and cheese wire. Just imagine if you wheel... A beautiful ice sculpture of a swan, or a dove, or a penguin, or a flamingo, or a robin redbreast, or (laughs) perhaps a piano? Yes, a sculpture of a piano, a la the old man in a wheelchair who burned her thighs and God knows what else, as a child. Asami would take her time carefully carving every pedal, key, perhaps even string if needs be. Then once her masterpiece of modern art has been completed, she could make like Gallagher and smash it the fuck up with a sledgehammer. A far more healthy way to relive and attempt to purge her childhood trauma. But please do not seek out this method in any peer-reviewed journals.
0: (laughs) That's it. <laughs> I'm fully on board with that um, I think the artist line is uh, An inspired decision And um, only geniuses come up with that kind of stuff so. uh,
1: Piss artist
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> A little call back to something that you said earlier yeah. Which is uh, That you said That cutting off a man's foot Is something that would live with you You'd remember it hmm. And I would suggest to you that Ice sculptures Possibly the second most transient form of art after a mandala, so uh,
2: you just got you just got to get a massive walk-in freezer to keep it in forever.
3: But you smash it up, it's gone. Well, yeah,
2: but your point <laughs> about it being a transient piece of art—you're smashing it up no matter what. So it could be it could be a beautiful canvas painting. You're still smashing it up. So they're all transient in this plan. But
3: why not just get a real piano and smash it up? Surely that's easier.
1: It costs a lot of money.
2: where's, where's the art in that? That's just commerce. I'm talking about art. <laughs> I, think, I think she'd put, be, be able to put more of
1: herself into the into the thing that she makes, right? I think that would yeah would have she could more freeze meaning her own than, piss. You mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, would she ever be looking to branch out into giant sandcastle making? You know, like the really fancy ones that people make.
2: <gasps> Ooh, they're good, aren't they? The, the yeah. professional sandcastle building competitions. Yeah. I'd like to think so. But what she'd have to do, she'd have to um, start pounding the iron, doing steaks and weights, and then she could kick over everybody else's sandcastle and point and yeah. laugh at them afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that would
1: be the destruction part. Yeah, like so she would. She be wearing like a Victorian bathing suit at that point. Do you imagine?
2: Yeah, and one of those little umbrellas over her shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're talking. Maybe she could um, like do little rosy cheeks and. The little tiny makeup that's just on the middle of the lips—I'm not sure what that's called—but yep. yeah, she could properly go proper like freak. show is probably too h- harsh a word, but she could she could probably go eccentric.
1: Yeah, mm. I think that would be very therapeutic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely.
2: <laughs> well, some frigging diabolical plans there. <laughs> We had Adam's plan for Asami to undergo cumulative therapy, taking in artistry, uh, composing haikus, performance art, being a human kaplunk, and culminating in the screaming song. We had Ben's plan, which was to get a pet for Asami, a, a suitable emotional support pet, taking in a hamster, then a poodle, and then an octopus. And we had Craig's plan, which was video games and wanking. And then we had (laughs) my plan, which was to become an ice sculptor who then smashes the work up. So with that, if we could all cast our votes, but not for yourselves, you bunch of daffy ducks. First, can we see who Adam voted for?
0: Well, it's no surprise. I voted for... Yes, and I've drawn a little chainsaw there, some snowballs, and a couple of ice cubes that are melting. That's well. my
2: first vote in about nice. uh, two months. Very oh, good. and there's a
0: stalag, 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 stalactite yeah. formed on top of the G as well. So yeah.
2: <laughs> Very nice. There you go. I'm going to assume that was the correct one, <laughs> and it's not a stalagmite. <laughs> Because I actually don't. I, the
0: way it. I always think is Stalic tights. Tights come
1: down, don't they? You pull tights down. <laughs> Sticks tight to the roof, doesn't it? And it might grow to the roof. <laughs> Sticks tight to the roof.
2: Uh, next, if we have uh, Ben's vote.
1: Yeah. Well, girls, that may have been your first vote in months. Here comes your second. Lovely. It was close to Turner's, and uh, it could have been either, but I like the, the idea that she puts more of herself into the process and then smashes the fuck out of it. You, you hate me more, essentially. Yeah, because yeah. you've got no hair. You remind <laughs> me of me.
0: <laughs> Young me. Not that much younger.
2: <laughs> and if we see uh, where the cat Attacular voted for Ben, I'm pretty sure I just saw Ben written down. <laughs> it did. It was quite difficult.
3: But, uh, yeah, in the end...
1: True love wins out.
3: I think that it was it was the most foolproof one because, yeah, yeah, the octopus... Probably the perfect pet for her.
1: Thank you very
2: much. And for that reason, I also voted for Ben's octopus-based oh. plan.
3: A yes. split for the flaggers this week. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Going to
3: tighten up that leaderboard.
0: Happy to concede this episode. Feel like I'm donating to charity by not winning, getting any points this week. here. If
1: I had to do any of those plans, I'd go for Craig's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you had to carry
3: any of them out yourself, it would definitely be... Video games and masturbate. Minus the video games. <laughs> yeah. i have got time for that. And, hookers.
2: <laughs> and so the scores as they stand after eight episodes of season three are in first place with eleven points is Count Attacula Ooh. In second, plo- second, plo- second place second place second place <laughs> with nine points is Adam. In third place, with eight points, is Ben. And still in last place, but now with four points, is me. Well done. And that about does it for another wonderful week. But fear not, we shall return for another set of Scorching Schemes next week. Adam will have the pleasure of hosting the podcast with his choice of film. So, what we doing, Adam?
0: Well, next week we shall be watching... 1999's The Mummy
1: Oh, he's going to suck our blood Two films Uh, from 1999 in a row We are uh, loving
2: 1999 Oh, what do you know? Remember to tell your friends in person and on social media about Diabolical Word of Mouth is the best tool that we have so please tell your chums And I also have a recommendation for our listeners right now of Quits the Script, the quintessential Scottish movie review podcast. Woo! Chris and Craig feature a ton of great films on their feed, and they're even swearier than us if you believe such a thing. Scottish, aren't they? Oh, no, it's so Scottish. Quintessential. But while we trying Quits the Script, you enjoy what we do here. Join us next week as we discuss 1999's The Mummy be so good can you until then remember everything will be all right in the end and if it isn't all right then it isn't the end solo bitches cut that bit out no I like that. <laughs> um,
1: it wasn't all right at the end of audition was it gaz hey that was the end <laughs> no
2: it's, they're, they're not going to recover from that are they uh, father no. and son father nor son
1: Probably not going to get his feet reattached. I don't know. It's quite a clean cut. <laughs> Unless he
2: does like um, the wheelchair guy and they're just like black, gross, and uh, uh, moving feet. <laughs> yeah.
3: Maybe uh, they'll go on to both be prolific serial killers. Mm. Or maybe they will sculpt ice, smash it, masturbate, play video games, get an octopus and record uh, a screaming song.
1: And they'll be fine. <laughs> mm. Why do you chop me up? <laughs> baby, just to let me down.